Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? And when you realize that the Jews of Jesus' day were so bound by their traditions and the, their religious practices and all of these habits that they had gotten into, all these bad habits, you realize why Jesus had such harsh words about them and to them. You know, the Jewish people, even today, they still hold to a lot of these same traditions. Do you know they still elevate the, the teachings of the rabbis above that of Scripture? One uh, pastor, I think it was Wearsby, in his commentary said this, Rabbi Eliezer said, He who expands the scriptures in opposition to the tradition has no share in the world to come. The Mishnah, a collection of Jewish traditions in the Talmud, records, It is greater of an offense to teach anything contrary to the voice of the rabbis than to contradict scripture itself. You know, before we point fingers, though, <laughs> we might want to look at what we believe and what we practice. Because it seems so obvious to us. But what do we approve of? And so we understand this group of religious men, these scribes and these Pharisees come. Remember the scribes in, in chapter 3, they came from Jerusalem. And they came and they accused Jesus of casting out demons by the, the prince of demons, Beelzebub, you know, the ruler of the demons, the scribes. And some little history about the scribes is this. You know, the scribes, they used to just be those who copied the law. Letter by letter, and it's a, quite a process. I won't go into all that, but it was pretty amazing. But then the Babylonian captivity happened, and there's a man named Ezra. And even in Jewish circles today, he's held up as Ezra the scribe, and they talk about his history. What Ezra did is he began to learn. He began to interpret the law. He began to teach others. He started to raise up other scribes to learn the law of God and to be able to interpret it and teach it. The problem with that is after, after generations... After a few generations, they began to teach their own opinions. You know, I often joke, you know, you know, in the Bible, that second book of opinions, you know, that everyone wants to quote. But it's true, too, right? We get our own opinions about Scripture and all these things, but that's what happened. And then over centuries, what happened was all of those traditions began to be passed down in what was called the traditions of the elders, which we'll see in today's passage. But what a tragedy, when you think about it, because they started to uphold and, and hold up the, the opinions of the scribes and of the rabbis above that of the Word of God, the very thing they were trying to interpret. So, again, now we see the Pharisees, though. The Pharisees were those who were in charge of the synagogue. They come with the scribes this time from Jerusalem. And the Pharisees were those who, who basically were in charge of what was taught in the synagogues. And they controlled the synagogues. And I just want you to look at this picture. Think about this for a second. Because Jesus is, is there teaching, and now these scribes and these Pharisees come, these teachers of the law and the supposed interpreters of the law, and they're now there to judge and rebuke the Word of God Himself. <laughs> I just want you to look at this picture. Those who are supposed to be the teachers of the law, those who are supposed to be the interpreters of the law, are now rebuking the very Word 
Those who are supposed to teach the word and interpret the word are now rebuking and judging the word itself, himself, the word made flesh, the logos. And to me, that is a perfect picture of religion. Man judging God. <laughs> well, whew, you hear me talk about that a lot too. The people who shake their little fist at God and say, I'll get you. Okay, hold on to that one. It's going to be quite a ride. And my hope for them and my prayer for them is they become broken. But you know, we're looking at, at this and we see they come and they come with this, this eye of looking for fault in Jesus. You know, that's what, they, that's what they're doing here. Their tradition and their legalism and their rules of man, they're coming and they want to find all the flaws in Jesus. And look at verses 2 through 5. Now, when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. Oh, of course they did. Verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the traditions of the elders. When they come from the marketplaces, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Again, they're not concentrating on the fact that Jesus has cast out demons or that he's healed multitudes or that he's fed thousands by miracles. Do you understand? They, they aren't even, not even asking him about the word of God. They're not asking him about his teaching. Nothing he did. They're simply there to find fault in him and his disciples. They don't care about truth. And this is the thing about the flesh. The flesh doesn't care about the truth. It only cares about being right. <laughs> you ever been around a person who is right no matter what? Just ask them, you know? I, I, I'll just be honest with you, you know? In my younger years, I was a bit that way. Um, it drove people around me nuts. And I was miserable. But this is what happens in the flesh. The flesh always wants to be right. Never wants to be wrong. And so here they come. They don't come trying to find out what Jesus was doing right. They just want to point out whatever he was doing wrong. What a warning for you and me. And then understand this ritual cleansing that they're talking about. I just want to read this to you because I think it's important. I want you to see how much folly is involved in this. Because all of these men, these Pharisees, these, these scribes, they've added so much to the word of God that they, they've got everything down to the minutia. They had a process and a prayer and every, for every little thing. But this is the crazy thing. This foundational teaching of the washing came from the scripture. This is a lesson for you and me, so, so listen to this. In Exodus, it is told that the high priest was to wash their hands and feet before they entered the tabernacle. So they took a scripture of God from the word of God and then turned it into a mountain. They took this simple action of just the high priest washing their hands and feet before entering the tabernacle, and they now put that on every citizen of Israel. They had these elaborate rituals that they had to go through, and if you didn't do that, you would, out of fear, have to obey or else. They could put you in jail, they could take away your job, they could do all these things. And again, it was a way to control people. But just listen to this. One pastor wrote, he said, 
This washing had nothing to do with cleaning dirty hands, he writes, but instead it was a ceremonial rinsing. The ceremony involved someone pouring water out of a jar onto another's hands whose fingers must be pointing up. As long as the water dripped off his wrist, the person could then proceed to the next step. He then had water poured over both hands with his fingers pointing down. Then each hand was to be rubbed with the fist of the other hand. And this is found in the body of extra-biblical laws and interpretations of Scripture that had supplanted the Scripture known as the tradition of the elders. So they come up, not only that, but they had to recite a certain prayer while they did this. I'm so glad we don't have any of this in the church today, you know. I'm so glad there's no traditions in the church that just seem a little foolish and people don't even know why we do them, you know. I'm so glad, and you know I'm being facetious, but here's the thing. You know, another pastor wrote about it. He said this, a really strict Jew would do this not only before the meal, but also between each course. And the rabbis were deadly serious about this as well. They said that bread eaten with unwashed hands was no better than excrement. I think you all know what that means. Um, One rabbi who once failed to perform the ritual uh, of washing was excommunicated. Then they have a, a story of another rabbi who was imprisoned by the Romans, but he was a hero because this. He used his ration of water for ceremonial cleansing instead of drinking it, nearly dying of thirst. And he was held up as a hero. He was regarded as a hero for his great sacrifice of washing his hands. Hmm. And when you look at this stuff, like I said, we can't help but chuckle a little bit because hindsight's twenty twenty. But what about us here and now? What are we blind to? What do we do that we don't recognize? That, you know, if the Lord tarry, that a hundred years from now, people might look back and go, do you believe what they used to do in church? Do you believe this? They used to believe this stuff. I mean, when you think about some of this stuff in, in other groups, other denominations, I mean, child baptism. I mean, not to step on too many toes here, but, you know, it's okay to dedicate children, but the Bible says, repent and be baptized. How does a little baby repent? You know, if you've ever been around a little baby, their sin nature comes out eventually. Uh, You know, we're born sinners. All you got to do, you know, and then they get about two years old and you really know. (laughs) You know, repent and be baptized, but no, we come up with this whole system. You know, we're going to baptize little babies. And then you have... These people who I've met, and you probably have too, who believe they're Christians and they're saved because they were baptized as a baby. I've met them. And they're not born again. They don't have the Spirit of God. They don't even know the truth of the gospel. But because they were baptized as babies. So see what religion does? It, it lulls you into sleep. It puts you in a comfort zone. Because your flesh wants to be comfortable. But look at this. Look at verses 6 through 9. Look at Jesus' answer to them. You know, one thing about Jesus, you've heard me say it before, it's often taught in some circles, this feminized Jesus, you know, that's kind of this weak and almost anorexic. He looks like he's pale, you know, and some, and he's just, he's so weak. And, uh, you know, the, the thing about that, though, is Jesus was meek. But meekness is power under control. And, you know, the thing about arrogant, prideful people is they take advantage of that. When they see someone who's meek, someone who's humble, they pounce. And, you know, they'll gaslight somebody into thinking, you know, lots of things. That's what these Pharisees thought they could do to Jesus. They took his, his meekness as weakness. But we know the Lord is not weak. And he is a man's man. Look at his answer in verses 6 through 9. He, Jesus, answered and said to them, 
Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? <laughs> Could you imagine? Now just think about this. These religious leaders coming from Jerusalem, they're... This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, GolgothaFellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A Fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.